I'm Noah Carden. And I'm Aaron J. Shelton. We're the co-hosts of Thinking Too Hard About Anime. The show is an episode-by-episode deep dive into some of our favorite anime. We give you some history, some film critique and analysis, and overall, we try to figure out what makes the series we cover so great. For our first season, we're covering Cowboy Bebop, and we are both gigantic fans of the series. I own an original 2001 Swordfish 2 and Faye and Spike figure. And I started smoking because of Spike. I don't anymore, but he was the impetus for it. So yeah, the show has deeply affected us, and we're very excited to talk about it. Come along with us as we think too hard. We're bi-monthly, with episodes coming out every other Thursday. You can listen on Anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Russ Payton with Rolling Bubble Radio. This is RPPR episode 177, Savage Worlds. And with me is special guest Kyle from Best Pal Brigade. Hi, everyone. I'm Kyle. Uh, any and all pronouns are fine. I'm very excited to be here, Ross. I feel like I've been on the show a lot recently. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's like we've, I've been playing a lot of online games with you. And yeah. uh, so and that's kind of the... Uh, Sort of an interesting topic right now, but uh, in this, yeah, so for this episode, we're going to be talking about Savage Worlds, because uh, it's a <laughs> popular system that I barely dabbled in. I'm a dabbler, uh, but you're, you're, you've done more than dabble. You've, you've, you've dived into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we, going to be alliterating. Uh, so. Do a lot of work in Savage Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, just so you know, um, uh, so for news, uh, uh uh, Best Pal Brigade and RPPR are doing a crossover kind of live stream podcast thing uh, where mm. uh, Kyle has been running a two a three part adventure. We've done the first two parts. Uh, the third part will be uh, the May thirtieth uh, at uh, let's see seven six, seven, 7 p.m. EST time yeah, yeah Eastern time. Yeah, six central. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. I've been having so much fun with it. We, we just <laughs> yeah. did the the second episode last night, and mm-hmm. uh, if if this episode goes live, I believe that listeners listening to it like the week of release will be able to catch it mm-hmm. Saturday the thirtieth at seven p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, what so, an organic plug. Yeah, what a very very organic. <laughs> uh, so, and if not, we are recording these and I will post them up on RPPR actual play at some point. Uh, I'm not sure about the exact scheduling, uh, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, it's me, Aaron, Thad, um, and Noah, Noah and uh, yeah, the one not RPPR, well, kind of a friend of RPPR, <laughs> uh, Broa. Uh, so oh, Broa. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're having a lot of world, uh, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I'm playing a. Uh, uh, Kyle's been very nice to indulge me in my vaporwave <laughs> kick. Uh, <laughs> You're playing a vaporwave DJ. Yeah, and I knew that that I was gonna get caught up in like Ross's pace. I said this on stream last night, but like I was, I knew that I was gonna try and catch everyone up in my pace. But I knew that Ross was also gonna like get the peanut butter in my chocolate. <laughs> when he was like, yeah, my, my friend, my agent's name is HBO 1983 intro. And I was like, well, fuck, <laughs> it's going to be like that. Yeah. Uh, the HBO, HBO 1983 intro is a great piece of music. Uh, it, it's just, ah, oh, God. So With the amount of times it gets hummed yeah. in the game, I would have to believe it is. <laughs> yeah. God, you haven't seen it? I <laughs> no, I have. Okay. Okay. Good. It's just like, uh, it's like every time we say the name, someone says like a few notes of it, just like very faintly. It's pretty much me. I'm, it's it's all me. Uh, one more piece of uh, RPPR news is uh, my book, Zombies of the World, uh, has been reprinted. 
by Andrews uh, McNeil, uh, a you know a fairly very large actually publishing company, but uh, yeah. uh, they are distributing around the world. It has it's a hardcover book now, uh, gorgeously printed. Uh, it'll be out June 9th, uh, and I'll have a link on our show notes of the Andrew McNeil's page. You can order from Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, whatever bookstore. It, it's fine. It's all the same to me. Um, just uh, if you like zombies, if you want uh, a, a book about uh, the different species of zombies, if you're a fan of the genre, uh, please uh, consider pre-ordering or if it, ordering if it's already, by the time you listen to it, it's already out. Yeah. Um, so I can do more books with Andrews McNeil, uh, by his book, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It's so but, good. uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I have been actually getting to play Savage Worlds. Uh, I, you know, we have run, uh, one game of it on RPPR. <laughs> uh, and I think we have a couple other recorded games. Tom actually did get to play, uh, some Savage Worlds of Accursed, I believe. Um, oh, that's a really good, uh third-party publisher setting. Curse was actually yeah. going to be the ones that, one of the ones I talked about when we talked about the... the well, we could definitely talk program. about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but we haven't really done much in in the uh, uh, system, and uh, so that's sort of... Um, oh, yeah, also, uh, in other news, before we get into that, uh, we are doing weekly live streams on the RPPR Patreon Discord. Uh, it only takes two bucks a month to join. Uh, we're streaming weird videos and obscure movies and all kinds of fun things what you'll have to join the discord to find out uh for the times uh but i will post a uh right before we do it on social media uh so you can keep if you keep an eye out uh but yeah it's been a lot of fun uh rpb our cast members hung, hang out and uh we talk stuff and uh yeah just uh, chat with uh you know all the patrons, so um, that's just a fun thing we're doing. Uh, but Do it. yeah, uh, and I'm, I, I think I am going to be getting more into live streaming stuff uh, as we progress. Uh, yeah, we, so. we were talking about that last night yeah. too. I'm I'm excited to answer any questions you have as I also yeah. fumble my way through <laughs> figuring it all out. Yeah. So um, yeah, like I mentioned. RPPR has been aware of Savage Worlds for a long time, but we haven't really... Uh, my introduction with the system was somebody who ran a one game of it. Uh, it was the first game we'd ever played together. I can't remember the guy's name, and it was not a very good adventure. So it didn't really impress me. Fucking uh, rip. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was a long time ago. This is probably like 2010 or something like that. Um, but Oh, my God. Yeah. A decade. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, something like that. It was a while ago, and it was just a basic zombie apocalyptic adventure. And I was just like, okay, whatever. This is yeah, hmm. Um, and so I just never really got into it. So I liked Day After Ragnarok, the one, the one shot I'd done of it, that that setting. So I, I, you know, we we wanted to branch out a bit, but um, you know, my it's never been. Uh, I actually considered Savage Worlds for base raiders, but I wanted to make base raiders a standalone game. Uh, instead of a setting, so mm. uh, that's why it's in Fate, uh, because I could use the full Fate OGL rules and just put them in there. Um, yeah, but... have, have the whole, just you only need to buy the one book. Mm-hmm. I can I can definitely see the value in that. Yeah, so, um, I yeah, I, I've never like really had much opinion of it, but I've had a lot of fun uh, playing Savage Tokusatsu. 
Um, and so, but Kyle, you've, you've really, you, you've just immersed yourself in the Savage Worlds ecosystem, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, I would, I would say that I'm fairly well ingrained. I don't want to say like, oh, I'm well known. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that we're well known, but like every now and then I'll spot like, like when we were at PAX South, um, some of the, the San Antonio Savages, like the one of the groups down there, were playing Savage Tokusatsu, like one of the nights that we were there. I couldn't make it out to like see what was happening live in the wild, but oh my god, it like blows my mind that uh-huh. that random people I have no contact with are enjoying the stuff we make. It's really whack. Oh wow, that's really cool. So uh yeah no it is it is you know whenever i hear somebody you know running base writers i'm like well oh 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 it's a real game <laughs> it exists outside <laughs> yeah, of my it, uh object permanence is a thing uh, it's 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 such like a strange phenomena but like yeah. so so i guess since since <laughs> i'm a bit of the veteran here ross yeah uh, why don't you what uh, questions do you have that you want <laughs> me the expert to answer yeah. Um, <laughs> can't even keep a straight face yeah uh why can't you just give us uh uh can you give us a overview of the system like it's yeah. sort of like what it, what is the elevator pitch for savage worlds as a as a game so savage worlds as a game the way i have long pitched it to to basically anyone and it's remained pretty consistent through like the the addition change that recently just happened and things like that it's basically savage worlds is an incredibly simple uh, role-playing game that is more combat simulator with a focus on simple dice mechanics, quick resolution, and uh, pulpy adventure. Like, one of the big taglines that the Savage Worlds community uses, I think it's even, like, official marketing, is, like, fast, furious, and fun. In general, it's about keeping up, like, a certain pace to make sure that it's a system that doesn't really get bogged down with, like flipping through three different rule books to find the one special rule for how far you can jump or how grappling works. D20 is what pushed me to Savage Worlds actually originally because I saw it at like a local game store for 10 bucks, uh, like an actual soft cover version of the, the previous edition of the book. So I picked it up and I fell in love with it. So like it is my go-to like, do you want to learn how to play role-playing games with like a simple and intuitive system? Then Savage Worlds is the game I'm going to run with you. Also, if you want to get into role-playing games, it has a super small page count and it costs 10 American dollars to get what it used to cost 10 American to get a physical, but now you can get the PDF for 10 American. And I think the single hardcover book is only like, like 35 bucks, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's super, super cost effective. And I know with a lot of the groups that I play with, that's that's like a very big and important thing. So fast, fun combat, good integration of role-playing mechanics, and cost effective. Okay. Um, and, of course, uh, uh, another sort of... The main book, though, does that, that sort of has a little bit of everything in terms of, like, um, the... What kind of mechanics are setting specific like magic or psychic power yeah it's it's much like a fate or like a genesis it's a system a setting agnostic system Mm -hmm. so it's much more of like a toolbox than than like highly specialized systems you don't have to put in a lot of work to like adapt it to certain settings there's rules for magic there's rules for like laser weaponry and advanced armors and then they have additional books that you can get 
that provide more and more specialized rules for certain genres you want to emulate, like horror or fantasy or sci-fi or superpowers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me uh, a lot of GURPS uh, in terms of the, the publishing model, because you have GURPS and then you have, you know, uh, GURPS X, which is, you know, whatever topic you like you're saying, superpowers or horror, you know, whatever, or magic. Uh, and then, of course, uh, but unlike GURPS, uh, there is a very robust third party licensing system uh, yeah. for Savage World. So there's there's a there's a good number of Savage World settings out there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of like really interesting third party and official settings. And like I would say, unlike GURPS, the official like setting rule books are like laser focused. There's not like 500 books that you need to get. But if you want to dabble in third party, that's when you can get more and more of these like nitty gritty rule books. Um, I know that a uh, personal favorite of of Ross uh, is they actually have an officially licensed uh, Rifts setting for for oh, Savage Worlds, right. like published yeah. by Pinnacle. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing. I would say that it's a lot less messy than than the old the old Rifts. Well, sure, because I mean it's a it's a system that actually works. It's not the fucking <laughs> system. Um, yeah, no, I'm I I mean, yeah, Savage Worlds would definitely work for Rifts because. Um, yeah, that's why yeah. you can never play it because you can't. Yeah, no, that that yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of Rifts, which is to have a janky ass system <laughs> totally broken and super yeah. busted. Yeah, yeah, what's, like what's the, yeah, that's part of the fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, yeah if you want to play like a weird West setting, there's there's the old Chestnut of Deadlands. If you want to play like uh, sci-fi, there's Rifts. If you want to play like pirate shit, there's Fifty Fathoms. But then mm-hmm. In my opinion, the real strength of the Savage Worlds uh, like rule set is the community that's around it. Mm-hmm. There's there's obviously room for improvement in any community, but I will say that the Savage Worlds community is usually pretty good about not being like shitty creep bags, mm-hmm. uh, and they're usually pretty good about actually giving good constructive feedback. So a good amount of the third party published materials are of like an actual really high quality. Oh, cool. Uh, are there any ones that really stand out to you? Well, like we said before, uh, there's a cursed, which I, I really, really enjoyed. That's like a Castlevania bloodstained inspired. Yeah. You can play as the setting. monsters. Which is yeah, you, uh, why Tom liked it. So, you know, we've played a few games of that. That was really fun. Um, there are like Titan effect is, I would say that it's sort of like a lighter hearted, less dis like less bleak eclipse phase. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like sci-fi, but it has a bit of like a supers cut to it. There's a, you know, the wonderful Savage Tokusatsu, the excellent star streamers, uh, but we don't have to talk about those terrible games. But, but yeah, there's like, there's a lot of really, really good stuff. But what interests me the most is, is a lot of like the smaller publications that come out where it's more focused on like, here's a, a short little document that details like a new way for magic to function. And unlike with like uh, Venetian magic or whatnot, there are actual rules that make magic feel different despite it all running on the same very simple magic system that it mm-hmm. uses. Like if you critically fail a roll or, or sometimes if you just roll a one on your spellcasting check, 
you you might suffer from like a different adverse effect that will affect you differently like the use of trappings that describe like the details of how a power works create these really interesting synergies and conflicts there's Mm -hmm. savage worlds relies super heavily on like which is i want to stress like this is pretty rare with combat simulator games but savage worlds is is to me very engaging because it relies super heavily on players being able to be creative on the fly and kind of narrate certain aspects and conflicts with like how certain things will interact. And you don't often get that in like the other large role-playing game competitors. There's a lot of flex room in Savage Worlds, which is what draws me to it because I'm a little dipshit and I just like to, to bend things as far as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, before we should probably get into uh give it sort of a brief overview of the the mechanics of Savage Worlds to give people an idea of like what not like a full rules tutorial but like what is the simple way to roll um because you 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 know like most RPGs you have attributes and skills um but like in Savage Worlds your attributes only matter so much as they they cap what your skills can go to uh isn't that right usually uh, it it's it's more tied to like the character creation and leveling up process but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give like the super super condensed version of of like savage worlds mechanics mm-hmm. y- you make your characters all player characters are what's referred to as a wild card uh there are some npcs or monsters or whatnot that are also wild cards but everyone else is referred to as an extra and there are differences between the two the big difference is a wild card anytime they try to make like any role that isn't essentially like damage, they roll whatever the skill die or the attribute die that they need to roll. They roll that in addition to a separate D6, and they use whichever die rolls higher. Uh, extras don't get that extra D6 because they're not wild cards. That's the simplest way to explain it. 90% of the rolls resolve against the target number of four, and dice explode so like if you get the highest number so like if you get a six on your d6 then you get to roll it again and add it together and then whichever die which are tracked separately has the highest number at the end of a roll is the number that you take and for every four above the target number you get you get what's called a raise which is similar to this game's version of a critical success because those don't really exist here the more raises you get the better or the faster or the more efficient you do an action that is the super simplest way to describe how it works and it 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 keeps the game flowing really really fast because if everything for the most part resolves against the number four i don't have to keep track of a hundred different dcs or like target numbers mm-hmm um yeah because uh, i do remember from back in the day that um when i was reading up it they they did mention you could use uh there are sort of simplified or it could be used even for mass combat like you could have uh, uh not just like uh abstract a group of people as one character and use that but like have a bunch of characters fighting each other uh because of uh also uh, uh the system is very simple in the sense that like characters don't have characters have like three wounds by default and like once they take three wounds they're out 
Uh, and then of course they, every wound they take, they, they take, there's a de- bit of a death spiral effect where they, they are wounded and they have penalties to their rolls. Um, uh, it's like negative two per wound or something like that. Uh, it's so each wound, uh, a wild card can suffer three wounds before being incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Extras can suffer zero wounds before being incapacitated. Uh, and there's also like a floating equivalent of like a, a hit point called being shaken, but the long and short of it is like, yes, there is kind of a death spiral effect. There are ways to mitigate that regardless of the setting that you're playing in. But if you like role-playing games that actually have combat damage be reflective of like a decrease in potency, then Savage Worlds will suit you well. But if you kind of like the like a person is as dangerous with one hit point as with a hundred hit points then you might kind of have a hard time like grokking to to mm-hmm. that specific aspect of it. It can be hit or miss. Like I'm not here just to sing the praises of Savage Worlds. There are some problems with the system and some players noticeably don't like that death spiral effect like you've described. Mm-hmm. Um have you tried it as a mass combat thing? Have you tried like a um because I know oh, yeah. like we, we did the theater of the mind kind of combat when we were playing Savage Tokusatsu, but you could do it. There are rules for like grids and uh minis and that kind of thing yeah yeah the base rules are actually designed around like miniature combat um i i play it very fast and loose with narrative combat because it's just easier to just be like yeah you're within range or like yeah you're within range but with a minus one but uh savage world started as a war game Mm -hmm. and that sort of shows in in its entire assumptions of like how the game works so Mm -hmm. it does work extremely well like i'm a very I very much enjoy miniature combat. Uh, in fact, one of my shout outs today is a war game, but uh, you can absolutely do that. It works really, really well for that. And if you want to even take it to like a step further, you can do like actual skirmishes with it, or you can use sort of the rule abstraction called uh, mass battles, which sort of lets you cover gigantic conflicts without having to put out a hundred thousand minis like the the toolbox is surprisingly robust and that's kind of what allows me to run the same system different ways whether or not i'm running it in person or online mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, um one yeah no i i do like it um but yeah there are these uh, uh you mentioned these weaknesses uh and you've you mentioned a lot of times that this is more of a combat simulator uh than like uh could you describe yeah. how you mean that combat simulator versus like uh what what is the other type of rpg to you or like what are the other sure types? yeah so so like i want to stress this i love combat simulators i don't say this is like a mark against the game mm-hmm. but like i would describe dungeons and dragons is not a role-playing game it is a combat simulator i would say mm-hmm. savage worlds is more of a role-playing game than dungeons and dragons because it's less like calvin ball it actually has some rules for social interaction but when i say a game is a combat simulator basically that the shorthand formula for that is like what amount of the page count is dedicated to rules for combat and like violent conflict and after a certain threshold that's when I, I sort of start to say, okay, this game has such a heavy focus on like specific character options dedicated solely to combat and you know somewhat robust rules for doing battle and like how all that shakes out. That's what to me makes a combat simulator a combat simulator. And if I was to sort of describe like what the alternatives are, I would say 
that there's combat simulators, there's exploration simulators, and there's interaction simulators. Like, it sounds kind of pretentious to frame them that way, and I don't often frame the other ones that way, but I would describe, like, an exploration simulator would be, like, a Ryutama or something like that, where the game is much more focused on, like, travel. I would also call Torchbearer an exploration simulator. Uh, And then interaction simulators are games that have much more of a focus on like the actual act of social interaction as your characters. And to me, that sort of covers a good amount of like powered by the apocalypse games like Monster of the Week or uh, even Blades in the Dark to an extent, though, though that one does get pretty crunchy with the combat. But that that's sort of how I would break it down. Savage Worlds has a very clear focus both in its community and in its rules text towards combat. So um, part of the reason why, I mean, I, probably the main reason why this uh, Savage Worlds is so robustly supported is because it has this sort of uh, very uh, open uh, licensing system. Um, mm. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Sure. So when when BPB signed on, when Cat and Lauren wanted to like actually start officially publishing for it, mm-hmm. um, Savage Worlds has... A, a licensing system rather than like an OGL or anything like that. There's no SRD. And so we had to basically get in touch with Pinnacle Entertainment Group, the company that publishes it, and go through like a submission process where we had to submit a sample of, of our work so that they could judge to see if it's like a high enough quality. And we went through that. We got approved very, very quickly. Uh, and then... They changed the process a little bit. I don't, I'm not super clear on what the process to become what's referred to as like an ACE, which is their word for licensees now. But for the most part, I can't imagine it's much different. Like say, hey, we want to write for you. They say, okay, please submit, like follow this style guide that we have on our pitch website, send it in, send it in, get approved. And then you can officially sell Savage Worlds rules wherever you want, as long as you, you know, attribute and include the certain logo that they provide for you, usual licensing stuff. Mm-hmm. But the the other option for people who maybe don't want to do this, and this is something that we've talked about in, uh, ironically, a previous episode I was on uh, about drive through RPG and Itch, is is they have an equivalent for Savage Worlds to the Dungeon Masters Guild. I believe it's Mm -hmm. called the SWAG, the Savage Worlds Adventuring Guild. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them understand that that SWAG might not be the best acronym because I always do that little hand motion SWAG. Um, But it is, it's basically the DMs Guild, except it's a lot more ethical. It's still run by OBS, so it's an absolute fucking nightmare. But you don't lose your intellectual property. They uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group takes like the absolute minimum of a cut that OBS would allow them to take, which I think is really cool of them to do. And then you just publish it to drive through RPG only through the Savage Worlds Adventuring Guild. And you can sell it that way. And a lot of people sort of dip their toes into, into third-party creation for the first time there. And there's there's a lot of good stuff there. A lot of mm-hmm. like good like one sheet adventures or or rule books, uh, not rule books, but like options for player characters or or dungeon masters. So depending on how you want to publish, there are two different routes you can go down. One's a lot easier, but you don't make as much, and you're limited to where you can sell. And the other, you can kind of just go buck wild as long as you don't 
like violate the the code of conduct that that mm-hmm. pinnacle puts in front of you. And if you're a decent person, you're probably not going to violate that code of conduct. So you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, they have to have it. So, uh, yeah. cause we, cause of the world we live in. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, one thing that, that came up, uh, uh, yeah, I realize it, it, Savage Worlds is a fun system, but uh, as as you mentioned earlier, it's not suitable for everything, every type of game. And obviously, you know, no game is that, that. That's of course for me always sort of a truism. I hate people say, "Oh, this is a universal RPG. You can play any type of adventure you want to." It's like, no, if you're everything, yeah. you're nothing. Like, um, so <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned it's fast, furious, uh, fun, very pulpy. Um, because but there are some downsides to that because it, it uh, in terms of like uh characters only having three wounds this sort of came up in our game last night where uh we managed to one shot a boss uh, <laughs> well two bosses actually two bosses it yeah. was terrible yeah. yeah with exploding dice and and uh, somewhat bennies. low wound thresholds and yeah. bennies yeah with re- the guarantee uh re-rolls uh so it yeah. happens it happens yeah. a lot it happens a lot on stream there i'm sure that someone somewhere has clipped a bunch of different versions of me watching all of my bosses just be fucking disintegrated <laughs> yeah but i'm sure that could also happen in reverse too player characters are also relatively fragile they yes three wounds have you had to deal with that? Like, how do you, um, like, I guess that sort of prompts your, your sort of informs your, when you're running games, like, well, guys, be aware that your characters are one bad role and they're gone. Um, or they're yeah. knocked. Yeah. Depending on how you framed what happens when you're incapacitated. Um, there, I yeah. think that's true of like a lot of systems, but with a game that is as capable of like, a fresh character creation character can kill a fully leveled threat, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, like Savage Worlds is because that happens, that can happen uh, because of exploding dice. But there are a couple of ways to, to sort of mitigate that. And some groups maybe like that super high dangerous energy, but other groups might not. And so there's an official rule that might help you with that. That's in the new uh, core rulebook. And it's a rule that we've been sort of using as homebrew for a very long time. So I'm very excited to see, like, in this new edition, all of the ways that I had been playing that were homebrew basically became official rules in here. And then there's even some stuff that I hadn't even considered. But um, And then we have a, a rule that we use in a lot of our third-party publications uh, that, that will help in that regard as well, specifically for Game Masters. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, within the core rulebook, there's a rule called wound cap. And basically what that means is like you can never suffer more wounds than like a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. So if you make a soak roll, which is the way that a player character or, or a enemy can reduce damage suffered, as long as you get a success on the soak roll, you won't be incapacitated. So that ties into a finite resource that players can sort of role play to get more of, but it, it helps to sort of add more decision-making value to soaking rolls versus just suffering a hundred damage. And no matter how many rolls you, you know, how many successes you get on a vigor check to, to soak it, you're going to pass out no matter what. I think it's a pretty simple and elegant way to do it. And then for game masters, one thing that I've always done. And, and once we started, you know, publishing, I've started putting it in a lot of our books is, uh, 
we build our monsters a little asymmetrically because that's how the system works. Mm -hmm. And we introduce a monster special ability called Indomitable. And basically what that means is from one attack, a monster can never suffer more than one wound. Like it just, it caps it right there. And that works really well. We use it for our Kaiju and we use it for a lot of like monster of the week bosses in Savage Tokusatsu. And it's easy enough to just ignore if you like the sort of more squishy and like exploding like a bag of cottage cheese approach of core savage worlds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that, that's, you know, um, something to keep in mind when you're, if you're deciding to run uh, the system is yeah. If a starting level character can take out a max level villain or conversely, a, you know, minion can take out a max level player character or most, you know, veteran player character. Um, yeah. with one really big exploding role that, uh, that, that, uh, adds a lot of variability, uh, that some GMs might not like. Um, but, uh, like what kind of genres would you, would you think are not good fits for Savage Worlds? Ooh, that, so, so sort of like you said, I'm the type of player and, uh, GM who very much enjoys playing different systems for different settings Mm -hmm. so when i say this i don't say this is like a savage worlds fanboy because i don't stand anything uh but i think that savage worlds can kind of run just about anything but if i'm playing a fantasy game i'm probably gonna play d20 despite my open scorn for it if i want to play a horror game like an actual, not like a pulpy horror game. I'll probably yeah. play like a Delta Green or a Call of Cthulhu. Uh, if I sometimes, if I want to play like a teenage horror game, I'll play Monster of the Week. If you know, I want to play Star Wars or like an official like setting, which I very rarely do, but like I'll play Edge of the Empire or something like that. If I want to, but conversely, if I want to play Base Raiders. I'm going to play it in Savage Worlds because I really like how elegant the superhero system is in Savage Worlds. I think it's mm-hmm. actually my favorite. But but yeah, it, it all comes down to personal preference. Like if you have another system that captures a genre that you want to emulate, play that system. Because if you like it better, you're more likely to to run it better and to have a more fun time, which will engage your other players at the table. Okay. Um, like what, what other, uh, settings, uh, for Savage Worlds have you really liked? Uh, now, I mean, no, uh, we, we don't need to go into Savage Rifts anymore, but like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> um, God. Uh, so, so like off the top of my head, I've been, I finally had a chance to sit down and read, uh, Crystal Hearts, which is done by, uh, Iran and Aviv. They do up to four players. It's like a web comic that, teaches you various role-playing games with a heavy focus on Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. And the comics, like, in-game campaign is set in this Crystal Heart setting. I absolutely adore it. The stuff they've done with the rules is really, really fun. It's super colorful. Uh, there might be some pieces of art that maybe I'm not, like, super crazy about for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but like, the actual game itself is very elegant. It's very colorful. And... It, it it has like sort of that final fantasy level of like weird magic and tech slash fantasy aesthetic that can be both lighthearted and dark simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Crystal Heart is one that I'm really looking forward to like really digging in deep 
and and getting getting into like the savage settings that are like this is like the mafia setting or this is you know like some other realistic setting those don't interest me but that's just because i don't really like realistic games and if i do i'll play like a like a delta green or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but yeah like that's the one gun to my head that i'm the most excited to really dig into cool yeah um yeah i know that pinnacle does some interesting settings uh i'm not quite sure well to be honest like east east texas university seemed always kind of a all right i guess that's a that's a setting. Uh, that's that's kind of how I feel about ETU as well. Like I yeah. like the setting. I have the book. I really like it. But like, I'm just gonna run Monster of the Week, even if I use the setting. I'm just gonna do Monster of the Week. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's just basically it's a college campus, but there's weird supernatural stuff going on, and it's in Texas. You know? Yeah, it's very Buffy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's that's a my yep um i'm also looking on their drive through page right now i see of course deadlands they've uh didn't pinnacle ba- basically buy that out like it's now oh no uh, deadlands was pinnacle okay, like yeah yeah like right. that's what launched savage worlds basically uh okay um and there's a robotech setting of course there is uh, uh yeah there's a there's an officially licensed third-party robotech setting i haven't had a chance to look through looting it palladium's corpse i see <laughs> Picking the bones clean. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, Interface Zero and Octoon Cthulhu, which are basically, uh, they just, they, they're just passed among all the different settings or systems. They, they're just, there's Octoon Cthulhu and this, it, these rules and that rules. It's it's just everywhere. Uh, C- Cthulhu is, is very, very, very oversaturated in my yeah. opinion. Uh, I know that might be a hot take here on wow, RPPR, but wow, I'm tired of fucking wow. Cthulhu. How dare I can't you. stand it. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, interface here, I, I will always admire because they tied that in with fucking Octune Cthulhu. There's a crossover adventure. Is the, there? Yes. Uh, at some point, Damn. I want to run it for fucking Caleb just so he's so <laughs> angry at me. Because I, oh, uh, we're playing this game, but it's really uh, with another game's rules. Ha ha ha. You thought you gotcha. were playing phase. We're playing Dread today, bitch. Uh, so. Get uh, him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. so are there, uh, uh, what are you working on next in Savage Worlds? Is it going to be another Tukusatsu thing or something else? Oh, God. So, so I am very much to the chagrin of everyone that works with me. I'm very much the type to bounce around all the time because, you know, I, I don't have money for brain medicine, so I jump all over the place because I can't help it. So right now, uh, Lauren uh, from BPB Games uh, wrote, and we're currently editing, Volterra, which is a verdant fantasy horror setting all about, like, the horrors of nature and, like, the corruptions of, of capitalism and the nobility, and it's really good. I, I'm actually goddamn enamored with it. Uh, she's absolutely crushing it, and I'm sort of helping guide her with, like, the mechanical aspects of it. Um, we're gearing up for a an official, like, proper Kickstarter for Star Streamers, which is our science fantasy game of social media fame, which we use on stream fairly frequently. We're going to be starting, like, a second campaign of that soon which has like no real ties or affiliations with the first campaign. So it's a great point to get in. And that's basically our game that we do our absolute best to like bridge the gap between 
tabletop role playing game and live stream by having like a lot of chat interaction and like free or paid ways to donate to like either harm or uh, help the players and interact with certain adventures elements and things like that. The first season was so fucking good and I cannot believe how well it worked. Um, We had stuff that we had prepared for in advance that we were like, well, what if some shit heels come in? But that didn't really happen. And everyone sort of got it. Like the chat role plays as their own unique characters. Certain chat members can get like summoned into the game to to participate in like certain scenes or combats or things like that. It, I absolutely goddamn adore that setting. And that's all all three of us working together very hard on that one. And um, yeah, beyond that, it's it's just a bunch of very small releases that we're we're working on. A lot of them are in Savage Worlds. We got we got kind of screwed over by uh, you know COVID coming and shaking everything up and pushing the Deadlands Kickstarter around, and then the Deadlands Kickstarter sort of ate up what was supposed to be the Volterra Kickstarter. And now a lot of stuff is just in very uncertain places. But if that's like the absolute worst of of what we have to deal with right now, that's very fortunate. Like that that that's the worst thing that our business has to suffer through. Uh, but yeah. Fantasy horror, big old parody of of social media and and like clout chasing. Nice. Um, so yeah, Savage Worlds. Uh, it's certainly worth uh, trying out if you haven't already. Um, and uh, take a listen or or watch uh, Savage Shokazatsu to see how it uh, plays out in action. And uh, Kyle Katrad is voice modder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. it in front of me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Do you want to give us a, a sample of what? It, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the the joys of streaming uh, 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 games. Now, so yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely great to have that online play, but mm-hmm. you just hit him with like a little bit of the counter terrorists win. <laughs> Just all that. Yeah. I've been using it for like monster voices and stuff. It, it mm-hmm. it's an it's it's an art that I'm learning, and I really yeah. like it. Uh, yeah, I appreciated the countdown to the base blowing up last night. Uh, <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the villains, of course. Um, oh yeah, no, but yeah. like some of the some of the easier on the ears ones are always super fun. You know, oh, just sure. five seconds till detonation. Like it's just way it's way more pleasing to the palate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so when we get back, we'll have some shout-outs. And we're back. Uh, I might even put in the HBO 1983 intro music for this. You fucking uh, better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be upset uh, if you don't. Uh, yeah, because it's a really good uh, piece of music. And I'm very sad there's no like really good Vaporwave remixes of it uh, out there, at least that I've found. I have not found any yet. There may be one on an obscure band camp that I'm, I haven't, or SoundCloud. Tweet your links to good Vaporwave remixes of the HBO 1983 intro to Ross. Yes, there you go. At Ross Payton. So for shout-outs, yeah, haven't haven't been reading a lot lately. Been watching a lot of stuff and playing some video games, getting back into that. Uh, So my first shout-out is Tonight We Riot, a riot uh, simulating game. Uh, It's a crowd, side-scrolling crowd brawler that's where you control one character and a bunch of other uh, uh, allies follow you around and fight alongside you, and you can kind of command them. Uh, It's a very minor subgenre. There's only two other games I'm really aware of that do this, Uh, Sea Salt and Othkos. 
And uh, but tonight we ride is a, is a lot of fun because you're you're fighting you're fighting the man, and uh, some of your upgrades include like um, getting you know your weapons include bricks and Molotov cocktails. <laughs> uh, there's a in one of the early levels you can find a dog who speaks Greek. It's based on a real dog that was uh, photographed uh, uh, standing alongside protesters in riots in Athens uh, a couple years ago. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. And it's got this, these lovely pixel graphics and uh, the people who make it are a worker collective. So they make, they, 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 they're living what they, they speak. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I know yeah. that they're also doing, uh, I don't know like the scope of it, but I know that they have and probably will continue to do uh, hardship copies. So like if you're having financial hardships and you tweet at them, there's a pretty good chance that they might just like hook you up. If, if that's something that you're interested in and something that, that you want to get your hands on, but financially mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bought it. Uh, it's on Steam. It's on PC and switch. So um, it's, it's out there and uh, it's fun. And they have the couch co-op mode, which I haven't tried out yet, but um, they also have this thing where you like one person who owns it on steam can like send a copy out to another person. They play together online. Uh, I think that's, that's true yeah. of like any steam game with local play now, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, investigated that yet, but I will try it out at some point. Sounds cool. Um, yeah, but, uh, have you been, uh, playing anything lately? Oh God. Uh, in terms of like playing, I don't think I've really been playing any video games except for like Final Fantasy 14 again, but no one wants to fucking hear about that. Yeah. Uh, tabletop wise, uh, I've been playing a war game, which, which I, I mentioned earlier, I've been playing, uh, Frostgrave which mm-hmm. is a really elegant, like, squad squirmish, squirmish, Jesus, squad skirmish game. <laughs> um, there's Frostgrave Core, where, like, you have a war band controlled by a wizard and an apprentice, and then there's Frostgrave Ghost Archipelago, which basically your group is run by the equivalent of a fantasy superhero and, like, a druid. Mm-hmm. And we've sort of been mashing those rules up to run little skirmish games in our in our ongoing, like, fantasy world to to, like, add extra conflict in regions that we're not actively campaigning in right now. Uh, and it's been really, really fun. It's a very simple, elegant game that mostly just runs, I believe almost exclusively with like a D 20, uh, but it's not, you know, like a, like a Dungeons and Dragons style role resolution, very simple, very quick to learn, uh, very affordable. And it, unlike warhammer or war machine the book flat out says just use whatever whatever you want for miniatures like you're fine you're good don't sweat like we have some if you want them but you're good really recommended enough if you like uh war player uh war skirmish games that can use two to more players cool um yeah it's one of those games i've seen and i just haven't like i would like to try it at some point but like but for me when i was playing minis it was conflict 47 is what grabbed uh, the interest of the other minis playing uh, <laughs> uh, players. You know, you have to like compromise yeah. like everybody. Uh, and also, then we got into Gloomhaven, and Gloomhaven ate a year. Uh, That'll just consume the whole the whole yeah. damn thing. I'm yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I can like run Frostgrave with other people like on roll twenty. I think that we you could. probably could. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it's pretty simple. So if if we ever have an interest in that, I would be totally down to play a game with yeah. you on Roll20. Um, there's not a shout-out specifically, but I do know, like, Lancer has a lot of that uh, as well. Uh, they're oh, yeah. building up Roll20 support, and they have that uh, that 
uh, app that helps run it as well. So uh, at some point, maybe in a few months, I might want to like look at investigate Roll Twenty and running Lancer online Ooh. and stream that through Twitch. Um, yeah, so that's something to uh, think about. But um, that's. Uh, maybe I haven't I haven't committed to that. But uh, in speaking of strategy, though, uh, I have started playing XCOM Chimera Squad, uh, which is a turn-based uh, uh, strategy game, uh, kind side game, not quite XCOM three. It's definitely um, uh, it's set after XCOM two, and so there's um, the humans of one. XCOM is one. Uh, they've driven off the elders, but there are all these aliens and hybrids left behind. And so they are all working, uh, have to live together. And so you're playing this, this, this chimera squad, which has humans, aliens, and hybrids. And, uh, you all have to deal with these bad guys doing bad things in the city, city 31. And, uh, so I, it's, it's XCOM like, but sped up because instead of having to like, laboriously move your units across big ass battlefields and like where's that last squad uh, it's it's they cut to like breach and then uh, there's the bad guys are right, you killed all the bad guys let's move on to the next screen uh breach <laughs> yeah and so um i quite like it because you know i could get you can get through missions faster um but uh there's more options and they've just cut down a lot of XCOM, especially in the later game, in later things, was just like, "Where's the last enemy?" Oh god! Mm-hmm. And then like, like the whole the whole strategy in XCOM Two was like moving your units in such a way to activate one enemy squad so you can wipe them out, but not activating too many enemy squads at the same time because so if they wipe you out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, in this one, you're just facing one squad versus you know you're outnumbered usually almost always, but like. Yeah, it's not you don't have to like find the patrolling guard. Uh they're all there. So Well, I mean it's uh, good to know that you recommend it, because I've been on the fence about getting Chimera Squadron for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's nice to hear that it's actually like fun and engaging. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'll probably no, I mean, pick it up. Yeah, if you like XCOM, if you like the the new XCOMs, it's definitely like sped up. I mean and it's only a twenty buck game, but yeah, it's mm. um it's quite good. Uh, I mean, it'll probably go on sale. Like it, like the pre-order bonus was fifty percent off, so I got it for ten bucks. So I'm sure it'll Damn. go on sale again. Um, An actual a, a yeah. pre-order bonus that actually contributes value to a game. That's yeah, yeah. fucking buck wild. Yeah, I know, right? Like it, it was weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite fun. Uh, I mean, you can't customize your characters like you can in XCOM, which is. <sighs> Like they're, they're they actually have voice lines and personalities. Um, okay, so it's like story focused rather than like letting yeah. me role play focused. Mm-hmm. I'm good with um, that. So I'm sure there will be mods that let you do things, and you know they'll they'll. I'm sure the mod scene will make up you know waifu special spec ops characters for you all to obsess over. But all, uh, all I know is that there is a snake GF in the game, and that Twitter loves her. Yeah, so. I, yeah. Uh, there's Torque. Uh, she does the the snake thing that they do in XCOM too. Right? <laughs> on your side. Uh, That's fun. Yep. Um, but you've been uh, 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 there was another game you've been playing recently. Uh, oh shit! I forgot what I was gonna say. I had Shira lined up. Want to put a note here? What What was my other shout out? Uh, Pokemon Showdown. Oh, bet. All right. Thank you. Jeez. 
Sorry, since we're just doing games, I was just... No, it's fine. Uh, You caught me me off guard. I definitely, definitely was paying attention. Fully, fully, fully paying attention. Uh, Yeah, no, we've been playing uh, Pokemon Showdown would be my other shout-out. If you... You know, I'm I'm not one of the people who was all upset about like the national decks cut or anything like that. I might have some issues with the pricing model for some of mm-hmm. uh, how they're handling adding Pokemon back into the game. But if you just want to play Pokemon battles with friends, there's an excellent online game called Pokemon Showdown that you can use to just get into a game, build a team, spend your IVs or EVs or whatever the hell, uh, however you want. And then play a game with random people or play a game with with like people that you know by challenging them to a match. There's a lot of different formats. We've specifically been using it uh, on our stream to basically everyone created uh, gym sonas, like original the character donut steel gym leaders, which basically means all of us only have one Pokemon type, but we can, you know, diversify our selections from within there as long as like for me i'm the bug leader so as long as all of my pokemon at least have bug i can pick whatever uh and so we've been doing like gym leader tournaments that have been so much fun i've been like dressing up and and sharpieing on like a little a little handlebar mustache to like role play as like an announcer persona for these tournaments it's been super fun and if you like pokemon and you just sort of want to give it a go you can play it in your browser absolutely adore it cannot recommend it enough cool um uh it does sound quite fun for all you pokemon uh uh fiends i have been i have reinstalled pokemon go recently oh uh, no because maddie and i go on walks and like gotta have something to do on the walks i mean what would we do just talk uh <laughs> what would we do just spend time together in yeah. love yeah exactly um no, she. We also look for squirrels. Maddie's a big fan of squirrels. Uh, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, they don't have them in Australia, so like you know. They, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, that actually makes total sense. Yeah, they're they're just very, they're very cute. Uh, so, um, yeah. But anyways, uh, aside from playing games, I have been watching some stuff. Uh, so uh, a lot, a lot of stuff not worth mentioning. But there is a movie, uh, Maddie and I watched that was actually quite uh good called Level Sixteen. Um, it's a dystopian, um, thriller, uh, about this, uh, young girl, uh, Vivian, who's, uh, lives in this underground society where she's taught to be obedient and docile and, uh, uphold feminine virtues. And Jesus fucking Christ. And she's never seen the sun. Um, and there's other girls with her and, the whole thing, uh, you know, is like, what's the secret of this society? Why are they living underground? You know, uh, and all this other stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, what, what is the mystery behind it? And, what, you know, what's going on? And what will Vivian do when she finds the dark truth? Because there's obviously a dark truth. Um, mm. and, I would say that uh, there's a dark, there's a dark obviousness to yeah, it. Yeah. Well, there's a darker truth. All right. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, secrets and lies. Secrets and lies. Um, and so yeah, it's a really good thriller. Uh, it's not quite. It's a little darker than a YA movie, I think. Uh, mm. You know, YA novel, but it's sort of adjacent to that. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, uh, worth checking out. It's on various streaming sites. So you know. Uh, so so I guess to play off of things that are that you can watch on a television or computer 
that are aimed at a younger demographic. Uh, Kat and I just finished the last season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power on Netflix. It is so fucking good. Like, I really, really, really liked it. My my old man was always a big fan of He-Man, so, like, the extended She-Ra mythology was always something I was aware of, but, like, we watched the whole thing from season one to, to this, and it was very satisfying ending. You know, like, it's not gonna gonna shatter your expectations, but there is some stuff that happened that, like, as a queer person, you just don't see very often, and it was really nice to to see, and I feel like all the characters were very well handled, uh, flaws and all, and and if you are just looking for something good and a little lighthearted with a little bit of that angst in there just mixed in for good flavoring uh definitely check out she and the princesses of power i i really liked it and it's a complete work now so like it's done it's over cool uh yeah no i haven't seen a lot of talk about twitter uh on it uh of course mostly uh uh people people like bridget uh, uh liking her um you know, retweeting uh, uh, pictures of Adora and Catra. Oh, did Bridget watch it? Uh, I think so. Maybe when well, maybe it wasn't Bridget. It was somebody. There's some people in my timeline who've been liking a lot of Adora Catra. Uh, uh, <laughs> and for, that may yeah. have just been Cat. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a very good possibility that's Cat. Yeah. But yeah that's oh shit. Fair. I'm gonna ask her if she if she watched it because I I'm dying to talk to people about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. Uh, but I have seen a lot of it on my timeline. Um, I just, whatever I see, you know, women loving women, I just assume it's Bridget, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh it's on uh, brand. Yeah, it's on brand. So, um, but yeah, that's our episode, uh, on Savage Worlds. Uh, you know, if you're interested, if you have more questions about Savage Worlds as a system, please leave a comment or, uh, I am at Ross Payton on Twitter and Kyle, you are, you can get in touch with me at BPB games on Twitter. Yep um and we'll and of course we're on our various discords uh best pal games is twitch.tv slash best pal uh best pal brigade best pal brigade so yeah. um i can't i couldn't remember it was the same name or we had a different name for twitch uh, i mean look it, it we did not expect to become a game company when we started yeah. the twitch and yeah. and the branding we have fucked up and i will own that oh <laughs> Oh, that's fine. Uh, I mean, I just have three separate podcasts that aren't united at all, except for, you know, the names, you know, the RPPR, the Mix 6, and Night Clerk Radio. It's fine. Yeah. Why would I want people to cross over from one podcast to the other, you know? I, I don't even know. Yep. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.